We're here to ignite your fire by highlighting the success and innovation of other movement professionals. This is the PT on Fire podcast. on fire we have a really special guest today one of my personal friends and somebody who's helped me a ton in my private practice bob weersma uh, bob for those of you that don't know is a uh, faculty member at the gray institute of course uh, you know myself and, and dr nick hawkins here have both gone through that program and and uh, that's really how we got to know bob and and he's also uh, owner of a uh, consulting company called performance builders which he helps a ton of uh highly successful private practice owners in, in the physical therapy world. Uh, he's also, he dabbles in a lot of companies. He's an owner of uh, Connexit, uh, which is an online app for sports performance. He is an owner of a company called Envisage, which is a kind of a mastermind group for physical therapists around the country. And uh, we're just super happy to have him here. And so welcome to the show, Bob. Appreciate it, Andrew. Appreciate the opportunity to chat a little bit this morning. Now, I feel like I did a disservice there by introducing you because you've done so much more than what I just talked about. So why don't you kind of give the audience a little bit of an overview of who you are and what you do and where you come from? Be happy to give you a little bit of a background on that. And, um, and maybe just to plug in one other business activity that I'm involved in, which is Solve Global, yes. solveglobal.com, which is a contracting company with uh, employers with work comp group health and we're saving them a ton of money, so maybe another conversation at some point. I can say for sure in the future we'll have we'll be talking about that. <laughs> I, I hope so. I'd be uh, eager to share it. There's some huge opportunities there. My background, however, um, I'm a physical therapist. I've been in the industry for about 40 years now, uh, a little over 40 years. I'm board certified in ergonomics, also board certified in human factors engineering, done most of all of the orthopedic uh, credentialing and so forth uh, back in the old days when I was involved in the clinic and uh, and certainly a GIF fellow and faculty and uh, one of the founders of the, uh, the GIF program. So had a very interesting uh, career in that regard. Probably the thing that uh, steered me, my thoughts, my biases, my strategies and so forth more than anything else was a combination of 15 years as a a practicing clinician owner of uh, a network of uh, practices that I was involved in, predominantly uh, outpatient-related work and contracting with some hospital systems for outpatient services that I delivered. And I uh, joined a group called GNA here in West Michigan back in the mid-80s. We had a handful of employees, literally, and a couple of contracts, decided to grow it. And uh, 10 years later, we went from Eight employees to almost a thousand, uh, from a couple of locations to 180 locations, from one small lakefront community here to uh, seven states, and we were driving about 150 million a year in revenues. So the that experience, my being responsible for oh, innovation and business development and uh, technology and and uh, strategy provided me an opportunity to be involved in, uh, you know, something well over a billion dollars or worth of business over the 18 years that I was involved with that operation. And it gave me just an incredible insight in uh, different regions and different programs and a wide range of different business models that uh, practices operate in and an opportunity to see where the soft spots were also. And uh, so most of my work these days is on that, continues to be on that creative side uh, but also recognizing that our profession, physical therapy, 
is you know in a huge state of transformation right now and transition. Uh, we're seeing obviously the reduction in reimbursement um, that continues to erode. We see climbing labor expenses. Uh, we see an on-level playing field with a lot of steerage of uh, patients uh, by healthcare systems and by various physician groups and so forth. And uh, as a result of that. Uh, it's getting harder and harder, if you would, to keep a, a practice financially, uh, not just solvent, but able to, you know, thrive in its market area and grow and, and have a major influence uh, on the community and be well rewarded for it at the same time. And clearly, Andrew, that's what you and Nick have been doing up there in the Traverse City area. Uh, you've got a huge footprint there, getting a lot of traction and uh, a very successful operation. And I like to take a, uh, maybe not take anything, just acknowledge, uh, you know, my pride in what you guys are doing up there with some of these uh, simple ideas, very strategic ideas uh, that can really transform uh, the performance of a, of a private practice. So thanks for being a role model up there. And it's been fun working with you. And maybe we can share a little bit more about that here this morning. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I told the listeners I did a total disservice <laughs> as far as introducing you. There's way more to the story. And, and, and I'll throw that back at you. You have transformed uh, the way that I do things on a daily basis. And it's it's only been for the positive and, and it's it's not easy. But uh, working with you as a as a, you know, a student or you being my consultant and now uh, being a part of Envisage and, and implementing the tools and the technology that you've taught me has just been super powerful. So I appreciate that. Well, you're more than welcome. And uh, maybe just to comment on that a little bit further, uh, you know, we, we've certainly had a, a wonderful relationship here. But I, when I look at your practice, I've got the opportunity to see practices from coast to coast throughout the United States and have done that for many, many years now and also do quite a, work, quite a bit of work internationally with a wide range of practices, not just physical therapy, but overseas working with osteopaths and, and chiropractors and so forth as well, different countries, different primary care providers, the musculoskeletal side. So have seen an awful lot of practices and, and the inside and the performance. And, you know, I got to say to you guys, you in fact have one of the most successful uh, private physical therapy practices out there. And um, I don't, I know you don't brag about that, but I want to make it uh, make your audience aware of that fact because um, you 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 live it. Um, you're you're bold and you're resourceful. Um, you take good ideas and you implement them. And I think that's the key issue with a lot of practices. We hear a lot of good things. Unfortunately, a lot of it doesn't get implemented, and and a lot of it also is what I would call follow the leader kind of strategy where you go to a conference and, uh, you know, you hear what everybody else is hearing and you're really not getting any strategic advantage out of the information that you're getting. So that obviously undermines a little bit too what you want to take home and, and try to, uh, to implement. But congratulations on your fine performance out Thanks. there. And really, I mean, I, I have to throw the credit on the team that we have. I mean, everybody that we have right now has completely – uh, bought in and, and is seeing results and works hard. And even though I think Nick, you probably would agree, there's a lot of moments when there's a lot of questions and and doubt when you're implementing new things. You know whether it's uh, you know different compensation uh, strategies or marketing strategies or whatever it is. It's it's a scary thing. Yeah, totally. And uh, I think you know the bottom line. I 
I think we'll probably get into this more, but um, with the performance builders and things that, you know, Bob, that you've created, systems that you've created, uh, I guess the, the simplest way to think about it from an employee standpoint is you want to be you want to be reimbursed for for what you're doing. Essentially, if you're if you want to work harder, if you want to see, you know, work, you know, a little bit more hours, you'd like to see that back in your compensation. And I guess at the the simplest way to put it, that's what your system allows for. Um, so if you could kind of go, let's kind of dive down that path. Let's kind of dive down what this whole paper for, for performance, um, idea that you had is, and then kind of go from there. Yeah. And I would probably not want to use the term pay for performance here. Um, okay. I, I would prefer to call it value compensation or as we like to abbreviate it, V comp. Certainly the pay for performance concept has been out there for a long time. Uh, what I don't like about it is it has a lot of connotations of blue collar workers, where uh, you know you're you're doing piecework, so to speak, as opposed to building a career and serving community and and using professional discretion and making decisions and judgments and so forth. Um, I I I, I think sure. pay for performance loses an awful lot of that. But the reason I got really interested in this is because you know if we look at physical therapy as a, an industry. And we recognize that we've got revenue that comes in the door, and then we've got a bunch of expenses that we've got to spend, and then we've got a margin on the, the bottom line. So top line, middle line, bottom line, if you would. When we look at that whole thing, so the revenue is coming in the door. Um, you know, We can go after the revenue. We can kind of drive it and so forth, but we can't control it. What we can control is the middle line, which are our expenses. And when you look at the expense side of things, the two biggest expenses we have, number one is labor, and number two is occupancy cost. And, and so strategically, if we want a high-performing practice, we're going to have to go immediately to the point of saying, well, if that's our largest expense, and that's also our largest asset, in other words, we can't deliver anything without a capable, competent, uh, committed, and competitive uh, professional staff, then we need to make sure that, number one, we're managing our expenses in that regard, but also, number two, we're able to pay top salaries to attract the best people that are out there and hold them. And and therein is where the breakdown happens in our traditional compensation systems, where we end up with a couple of different models that evolve. One is, you know, everybody goes out and does survey work and find out what people were being paid, uh, you know, last year and the year before. And, uh, and then, you know, kind of look at that and, uh, you know, our, our various organizations out there provide us with an average. Um, and then we kind of build our compensation model around that average. I asked the question, who aspires to be average? Nobody. Um, so if we're going to, if we're going to attract the best talent and grow and, 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 make the most of all of this, you know, I want to be, if I'm a practice owner, I want to be in that top 25% of practices at a minimum. I'd prefer to be in the top five or 10%. But if we're going to be in that, in, in that upper range, then we need to have some sort of a system that, you know, it's not just a bonus system um, that we're building. So, you know, let, let's throw that out here also. It's not a bonus system. What we're trying to do is optimally align the interests of the practice and the professionals who work in it. 
And that means we're both equally interested in how to grow the practice and how to financially be rewarded from the practice. Now, in a lot of practices, when you start going down that path, we start out immediately with, well, you know, here's what, the, here's what you're going to get paid. Now, here's what we expect you to deliver, and we're going to track that. And the owner, you know, makes the rounds once a month or every six weeks with his stick and kind of beats everybody over the head a little bit. You know, got to work harder and got to work faster and all of that sort of thing. And that gets, you know, <laughs> as equally old for the owner as it does for the, the, the people that work, the professionals that work within the practice. So what we came up with with the value compensation model is understanding that we need to be able to link a professional's contribution with their compensation. And we need to accept the fact that we've got uh, a group of therapists out there that, you know, will work a ton of hours. They've got um, student loans they want to pay off. They've got houses they want to buy. They've got kids they want to send to college. And they're willing to put in some pretty aggressive hours. They want to be able to earn a lot. We've got another large group of folks that are out there that may be moving later in their career, looking at, uh, you know, working a little less hard. It's more for the enjoyment and staying involved in it. And we've got certainly a lot of uh, moms that want to stay involved in practice or, or, or families with small kids and want to limit their time. And so what we need is a compensation system that is fair with either of those two groups and everything in between. And so the value compensation model was really built around that understanding, and we want it to be a compensation model that's fair, it needs to be equitable, it's got to be consistent across time and space and, and individual uh, professionals and how they choose to work. We're not telling them how to work here. We're not telling them how much to produce here. We're simply saying that there's a financial relationship that, that surpasses how many years I've been in practice. This isn't a tenure situation that we're working in. And it doesn't matter how many certificates I've got on my wall because none of those pay the bill, either for the practice nor for me personally as a professional taking a check home. So we, we want a model that, again, links contribution to compensation. And to that end, the, the value compensation model um, provides uh, an equal opportunity for everybody in the practice to work as hard as they want or as on hard as they want. And most importantly, it provides a pathword up for financial compensation. And I think in most practices today, we're seeing the lid kind of put on. I'm seeing a lot of practices, a huge number of private practices in pretty severe financial stress, losing money, um, you know, relatively small margins, 5% or less is highly common. And, and that, by definition, is an unsustainable practice. And we've got to come up with a different way. And the, the, the problem is traditional compensation systems haven't provided us with a means to be able to do that. Value compensation does. And in simplest forms, just to kind of put it on the table, it includes a base compensation, that is fairly comparable to what a new graduate would get. And again, if we're not a new graduate, we've been out for a long time when we've got all those papers on the wall, we ought to be able to provide more value than the new graduate. So we provide a variable compensation model on top of that. So my total compensation package includes a base wage uh, or salary, a variable comp, which takes into consideration the volume of revenue that I'm generating, 
And we also have a benefit component that factors into that. And it provides an opportunity for everyone to be treated fairly and uh, a huge upward path, as I said, uh, for the therapist that wants to be able to earn more and expand their reward. If we've got folks that uh, are working hard and not getting paid as much or those that aren't uh, working very hard and are getting paid more, uh, that's a huge disincentive within every practice. We just got to squeeze that out. And the last thing I would say about it is as a practice owner, really an important part of all of this is you're doing your professional staff a huge favor because you're teaching them how to be fiscally responsive, responsible and successful. And you're providing a situation where they are going to be relevant as a professional in the future as our healthcare system continues to transition and where results and performance becomes more and more important. We're going to have a huge body of therapists here over the next five to 10 years that are going to essentially become irrelevant because they can't produce and get outcomes at the pace that they need to be able to do it. So this provides an opportunity to actually learn that system and as a therapist now, be able to move into that top five or 10% of therapists in the country. And those are the folks who are gonna get the greatest rewards going forward. The system teaches us all, all how to do that successfully. So let me pause there. I threw a whole lot of stuff oh, out. But it kind of gets it on the table, right? Every time I hear you talk about it, and it's been a couple of years now, the more I hear you talk about it, the more I continue to believe more in it. You know, you, you really do a good job at um, describing the system. I would say a couple of comments to what kind of backing up there. You, It's not just private practices that are struggling. I mean, I can even say without naming names, but our local community hospital, even the rehab department there for the past 10 years, um, and I know for a fact has been uh, in the red, uh, $2 million in the red for each year for 10 years. And, and they, they uh, you know, you talk about tenure and, um, you know, that's the typical hospital system, right? You, you get your 3% raise every year. And, and the problem with that is, is that you've got physical therapists who are 25 year veterans there that are making 85, $90,000 and producing less because they feel entitled to. And then you've got the new graduates who are making 55, 60, and they're producing more because they're motivated and the whole system's out of balance. And yet, even with that, you've got an underperforming uh, you know, hospital system. So it's not just private practices that I think need this system and really want this system, but don't even know how to go about it. You know, so I definitely can speak to that because I, I know I've, I've met with people who've, who've given me those, that data and it's really mind blowing. Yeah. And the key word that you use there, Andrew, is t entitlement. Um, you know, we, we've got a large group of therapists nationally with very advanced training um, and we were coming out of an era when there was a huge shortage of therapists and, uh, and insurance uh, payments and so forth were very generous. And, uh, you know, it just it was an easy world to live in. And it grew, I think, within us that entitlement kind of a, a mentality. And uh, it just doesn't work. It, it, it doesn't scale. It's not sustainable going forward. So we need to look at a change. Now, I get an awful lot of questions when you start talking about the value uh, comp kind of a model of, you know, where did Wiersma come up with this odd thing? And um, 
I, I will share with you, this is a model that's been in evolution for about 20 years now, constantly refined and enhanced and, and aligned and, and, and the tools to be able to assess a practice relative to how it's performing and how it could be performing and, and, and how to build that bridge for each and every one of your employees to be successful, successful in that new model. But it was interesting because after building it, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, quite a number of, of, of different professionals in different industries and in the, uh, the HR sector, if you would, globally. And, uh, you know, what we don't know in physical therapy is that there is a standard model that's used for professional service providers around the world. It's international. And it impacts... Uh, the Wall Street people, the consultants, the physicians, uh, the CPAs, uh, the attorneys, um, organizations and, and professions that are very, very successful financially on multiple levels have a model that's well known out there. And for the most part, we've never heard it in our industry. And so I, I think a key concept here is, you know, this isn't something, well, well, it's a one-off kind of an odd thing. Maybe it'll work. Maybe it won't. This is the standard for the world when it comes to the service industry. And I'll share it with just, just the, the essence of it because I think it kind of puts a whole different frame on our entire financial performance. And that is if you look at your revenue, um, it goes into three buckets, um, one bucket is essentially what your professional services are going to call cost. In other words, it's the labor expense for your PTs and PTAs. A second one are your expenses for your support staff and your facility and essentially all other non-professional expenses. And the third bucket is what we'll call your discretionary margin. It's what's left over after your operating expenses that actually deliver the service, which is your labor and your other expenses. And when you look at those three buckets, the, the distribution of dollars coming through your practice should be a third, a third, a third. In other words, about a third of your revenue is going to go to pay your professional staff. About another third is going to be involved in general operating expenses. And the other third is then the discretionary margin, which includes everything from um, you know, philanthropy that you might do in your, in your uh, community uh, to reinvestment, to return on investment, as well as owner margins or owner profit distributions, all of that and much more fit into that last bucket. And the variable compensation model provides the opportunity to be able to structure that financial system in a way that is sustainable over time. And my point being there is that the labor expense fluctuates with the revenue coming into the practice. And as a result, it has a built-in margin that goes along with it, a really critical concept. Now, how you implement it, that's another whole process, and it's, it's well beyond the, the scope of this conversation. 
but there's a very orderly process, an analysis thing that we do to identify each practice and each employee in the practice and the total financial modeling of the practice and, and build the bridge, if you would, from that old world to the new world. And I can say without any hesitation that every practice that has done this finds out that everybody makes more money. Everybody does better, owner, professional staff, the community wins, we get great outcomes, there's no, design, no, no downside for it, but um, it really just requires practice owners to recognize that our old business model, for the large part, is no longer sustainable. It's certainly not scalable, and as a result, where do we go from here? I would say there's nothing more important you can do in your practice than get your compensation model fixed. Yeah, Bob, and, you know, again, from an employee standpoint, looking around and my observations, the bottom line, if if nobody shows up to for therapy or if nobody shows up to your clinic, you know, you can't make any money. And so with this system, what the thought process becomes, if you have a, if you have a cancel, you're not so much celebrating the cancel, you're actually thinking about it like, oh, man, like, you know, with the system, you can simply see how much money you're losing by having an open slot on your schedule. And, and as it, you know, becomes more clear for me to understand that, you know, that those thoughts are coming into my mind more and more. And, uh, you know, I think if you're an owner, you really want your, um, your staff to really kind of have that thought process as at least from my perspective, it would seem like you would. I would even say too, going deeper with that, it's like you want full plan of cares. I mean, if you look at the statistic we've gone to a couple times in this show, which is, you know, what, 70% of patients don't finish a plan of care in the country. I mean, that's, that's bad news bears. So that, that too, right. Is, is, is what Chad Bannon calls the leaky funnel, you know, and, and really having the mentality that we're all in this together, cancellations, no shows, uh, graduation rates, um, you know, the volume that you're, that you're billing, the type of procedures that you're performing, um, you know, those are all things that I think everybody, you know, is now more aware of and, and more educated on and understanding, um, you know, why we're doing things. And, and, you know, and so I think it's been it's been great to see. I, I, we've, you know, we've had a couple, uh, I, not a couple, but maybe we've had one one scenario where it just didn't work out, you know, for, for the veteran therapist. And that's OK. Uh, but for the most part, I think everybody's really been pretty excited about what we've done. And and, and this is probably the best year that that we've had. Um, you know, from, from a compensation standpoint, earn compensation. I don't think I've ever seen anybody earn, uh, you know, more than what we've had our team earn this year, which is really exciting to see. Yeah, it is. Um, Nick, you mentioned something I want to come back to just a moment. You're kind of talking to the, the attendance piece and the alignment between the practice and the professional being both interested in keeping those slots filled and so forth. Let me just give you a, a few other elements that, and you, you kind of see how this, um, compensation model actually changes behaviors in a huge way and it actually makes every professional think and behave much more like an owner so the the interest in getting new patients coming in you know we 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 can't create value for anybody if we don't have people coming in so it's got huge marketing implications and 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 how to leverage and draw people to the practice attendance as you said a huge issue that's there and it's a problem for most practices uh, the whole issue of charge capture, um, are we actually capturing all the charges that we should? 
my experience over the last 40 years, and it repeats itself over and over and over again, is that about 15 to 20% of what should be charged doesn't get captured. We're literally giving services away based on our scheduling model as well as uh, how our therapists capture and, and record. And, uh, you know, that's if you can't collect it, you can't pay it back through to the employees that are delivering it. So charge capture is a huge thing. Just general productivity, um, the, the issues and strategies of using support staff to leverage the volume of care that you can, uh, you can deliver. Uh, to, to use the therapist to make the judgment calls and support staff more and more to do more of the routine kind of activities. Uh, but again, a huge number of our therapists today aren't trained in delegation. How do you delegate? How do you leverage support staff? So another huge piece that we need to be talking about, need to be talking about in a lot of our practices, if we're going to be able to change the uh, behaviors. And the last one I would mention is documentation. Uh, the huge amount of time we spend documenting more than is required because we've got systems that have never been designed to be productive first. And as a result of that, all that time we spend documenting is time that, or at least a portion of that, a large portion of that, ends up lost from being able to be used for revenue generation instead of an expense. So when we when we think about the behavioral change that takes place here, um, the, the the performance possibilities within a practice literally skyrocket. It's it's uh, it's cool. It's exciting. And you two guys obviously have had a lot of experience with that excitement. Well, I could even speak to that. I mean, Nick has probably been the one who has really demonstrated his ability to delegate to support staff. Um, you know, and, and I can remember being in a facility before where cancellations were celebrated. Uh, why would I have a student was the comment I remember hearing. Nobody wanted to have any students. And one of the strategies that we use, and Nick's been really great about this, he basically has a student all year long. And, and he's not only motivated and enjoys teaching, but that is a form of support staff that allows him to, to not, not a ton, but enough where he can have a little bit more volume when it's appropriate um, to, to really, you know, so basically he's being rewarded for that through the system, which has been really awesome. And, and now you see uh, we've had, I don't know, 13, maybe 14 students come through our facility over the last four or five years and shoot probably more than that. And, and that's now that's becoming... Uh, we have like we we have a list of people that want to work with us and 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 I can remember you know rewinding four or five years ago it was a struggle to find anybody who wanted to join us and so it's just been it's been a great thing yeah it has and you know I'm just kind of grinning here also you know, you just ripped off a number of uh, benefits and so forth from it Nikki referenced some I ran it through another list of them we probably got at least 10 or 12 different things that we just put on the table here in the last five minutes that are high impact strategies that change the overall performance and the value of the business and appreciate that the value of the business, every dollar that you bring to the bottom line, increases the value of your, of your practice today somewhere between 3 and 5%, um, depending upon the practice you're in and, and a variety of things. But here's the point with all of that. None of that stuff is going to work or is going to be a driver for those behaviors unless you first fix your compensation system. Right. If you don't fix the compensation system, all of these other things, you can go in there and mess around and, you know, do this and do that for scheduling and no-shows and, and, and marketing things and so forth. But if your compensation system is broken, 
And I will say that the vast majority of practices out there, it is broken. If you don't fix it first, this other stuff won't happen. And if you do fix it first, most of these behaviors are going to be automatically implemented because your team wants to be successful. And these things kind of happen on their own almost. I won't say happen on their own. There's a lot of momentum that develops to make these things much, much easier to implement. We just had a student uh, who we hired, we, we, uh, an intern for four months. She then went to another facility in our local community without mentioning any names. And now she comes back to us to work with us. And she, you know, she starts to tell us about the volume that the therapists are seeing for patients in an hour and, you know, averages 24 a day. And, and here we are, me and Nick are going, well, we see 12 a day, you know, we're one-on-one -on -one and we're, you know, we're providing high quality care. And, and, and I said, gosh, we, me and Nick did the calculation real quick. And we said, well, they potentially could be, uh, you know, at least double the revenue for that, for that clinic. Uh, and probably more than that. And my question would be to them and to the student even was, or I guess she's not a student anymore, but I said, well, gosh, are, are the PTs making double? She's like, I don't think so. You know, and, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. there's the catch. And, and the funny thing is I've interviewed three of them over the past five years who have tried to work with us because they wanted out. But of course, in the traditional setting, they've got them locked down with a non-compete. They can't go anywhere within a 25 mile radius. And, and it's just, they're not happy. They're not happy employees. They're not providing high quality care. And, um, you know, and, it, and, and my hope is that patients start to, you know, to recognize the difference too, because it's palpable. I mean, you can come into our facility and, and I think at least that's how I feel. And I know a lot of patients will say the same. They can feel that, that behavior that we uh, portray and that we're, you know, we're all on the same team and everyone's happy, you know, and, and, um, anyways. Well, value compensation is a magnet for growth sure, and prosperity. There's just no getting around it. And, um, you know, that, that's good evidence of it. Uh, let me throw one other little piece out here, story from uh, one of our southern states with a practice that I was working with uh, last year that implemented the VCOMP. And I was talking with the owner who was uh, on her way to a, a family gathering, and she said, you know, I've run this business for 25 years. This is the first time I've been in the car heading back to see family over the holidays that I haven't been worried about my business. I haven't been worried about meeting payroll. I haven't been worried about leaving and what's going to happen while I'm gone. And then she went on and said, you know, we, we had a big snowstorm down here, which doesn't happen often. Um, and, and things got shut down. And she says, I got up in the morning and, you know, realizing what had happened out there overnight and what that was going to do to our clinic today, as it always has, it literally just shuts things down and, and, you know, we lose our income for the day. And she said, but it was kind of refreshing because what had happened, again, after the, the value comp had been implemented, uh, her therapists, without contacting her, got on the phone together early in the morning, realized what was going on and decided to get on the phone themselves, call their patients, and push everything in the day back till afternoon and early evening, and called her with the, not the problem, or should I come into work, but simply saying, uh, you know, we've all got a stake in this thing. And uh, so the, the problem is taken care of. Uh, we've got everybody canceled for this morning. Everybody has been rescheduled for the latter part of the day. We're all going to kind of take a snow morning and so forth here. We'll meet in the clinic and do our normal work. And she said at the end of the day, we didn't lose a dollar, hmm. essentially. Everybody came in. And, and again, the cool part, 
wasn't her problem as an owner. Everybody stepped up professionally with their professional hats on and said, we've got a community, we've got patients, they need care, that's what we're here for. We've got adverse conditions, we're problem solvers, that's what we do all day, every day. We're going to take the matter into our own hands and, and resolve it. And that's what alignment with a ver- uh, value compensation model, that's the kind of stuff that starts happening. Professionals start acting more like professionals, and in fact, they recognize that, that their profession is their private practice. And like any other private practice, it needs attention, and it needs its priorities set out, and it needs a financially viable business model to work from. And uh, it's here. We can do it. It's pretty exciting. So, Bob, if I'm, uh, you know, if I'm listening to this right now, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a private practice owner, I'm, I'm going to be wondering how I can get my hands on this and how I can start to implement this. And I have a question: Have you had experience with, um, you know, I guess, what about the owner who has been in the ownership role for 20 to 25 years, private practice? They started it, and they have a very traditional model of payment, and they have, you know, 15 to 20 professional staff working for them that are used to this traditional model. How do if you're the owner, how do you how do you implement this and how do you get your staff who is used to a certain model of payment motivated and encouraged to um, adopt this model? Yeah, what we do and, and we've got a, a very well honed system at this point for doing it, and I'll I'll give you exactly what we do. Uh, number one, we go back and we we take data from the last year and roll it forward. What we're looking at is the volume of uh, visits, the volume of units, and what we've been paid, and what we've billed. And we start doing some modeling to come back with what is the average unit, or the average dollars per unit across all of our payers that we uh, are dealing with here. And we use that then to build a compensation model for each and every employee, every professional employee in the system. And so what we've got is a 12-month ramp, if you would, and we do a side-by-side comparison of what would what did you make under the old model and what would you have made under the new model. Mm. And then if there's a gap between it that's positive, it's like how quickly, you know, staff is how quickly can we get there? We like that. If there's a gap that we're not performing as well, in other words, we're getting paid more than we would under the new model, what we find invariably is that the amount of change that it takes to get back to wholeness, if you would, and move beyond is is a very small value, and it ties back to the stuff we talked about here a few minutes ago. Um, you know, I can make a little tweak in my attendance. I can do a little tweak in, in how well I capture the charges that I actually deliver. And, and here's, we come up with a game plan for each employee relative to what they need to do to close the gap. And what they realize is that, gosh, I think I can do that. And we say as a practice, um, we'll help you do that. Because it's, again, our interests are aligned um, and we can do this thing together and we will. So we, we then have a meeting with all of them and give them an overview of what this new model is going to look like. Again, no pressure. We're not going to start it before we we understand that we're taking care of everybody. We've got an upward path for each and every employee that's here. And then what we'll normally do is track their performance for about another three months. Now they're aware of it, and we're giving, we've already given them how they performed the last six months. 
And now this next three months, again, we're not saying we're going to start at the end of three months. We're saying we're going to track it for three months and see where we are. We're going to see if we can close the gap for folks. And invariably, what we find is just being aware of those few basic decisions and awarenesses that they've got to have day in, day out. Virtually all of the employees are going to find that they can get back to where they have been under the new model um, without a lot of pressure. And now I've got an upward path that I can drive this thing as far as I want. So that's usually the process. Uh, we do the group meetings. We usually do a couple of group meetings kind of on the beginning, introducing it to them, and on the end, just before the launch. In between, we have a series of one-to-one -one discussions with each employee, reviewing where they are personally, what the gap, if any, is there, how to close it. We begin tracking. Every week they get feedback relative to what their numbers and so forth are, that, that in real time, they can make adjustments in their decisions, their behaviors uh, that, that benefit their compensation package. So that's kind of the process um, from the decision point, hey, we want to do it, to actually launching it is generally going to be somewhere in the three to six month range, depending upon the uh, practice. And I would say, you know, any practice that feels they can't do this for one reason or another is a practice that's very susceptible going forward because the reality of it is the old model is not going to, to carry forward over the next three to five years. We gotta get off the old compensation model onto a new one. And when we do appreciate, if your practice is doing really well, like you guys are, from a competitive position in the, your community, you've got a huge competitive advantage because you're attracting the best talent and at the same time, you've got profits in the business that you can reinvest in the business and in the marketing, which then increases your footprint in the community. So doing this not just balances out your existing operation and gets it back to where it needs to be from a performance standpoint, but it also lays the runway, if you would, for the practice to take off and grow aggressively within the community um, that you're serving. And I would say, too, I mean... Uh the the other question Nick had was how do you get your hands on this and and I mean this is just imagine this is one fraction of what you get being one of Bob's students in his consulting business performance builders are you taking any new clients Bob or are you kind of are you hanging out right now and just kind of happy with what you're doing <laughs> I am very happy doing what I'm doing um, but I have I am in the process of bringing on some additional manpower uh, to work with me specifically in this area because of the amount of need and opportunity that's there. So um, I do have some capacity at sure. this point. And, um, and, and maybe let me make a, a bit of an offer um, for the folks that are out there. And I'm not sure how you do this, Andrew, so I'm going to throw it out there and yeah. we'll just do a little quick problem solving. Uh, but I do have some tools here. And what I would be willing to do is send out a, an Excel worksheet tool that would allow anyone that's listening here to fill in uh, a few numbers relative to uh, some of their volume act information, revenue information, and compensation payroll information. And from that, if they would like to email that back either to you or me, um, I would be more than happy to get a report back to them that quantifies what the upside opportunity is in dollars and cents 
going to the variable comp model. That would be phenomenal. And, and we That'd do, be okay? That would be amazing. And we'll, we'll put that right in the show notes here. We'll have a little link for everybody. We'll link to performance bills. We'll also link to what you're talking about right now, which is an absolutely phenomenal thing to, a uh, very gracious gift to give to the listeners. And I know if, if I'm them, I'm going to definitely grab that up. Absolutely. You know, and, and I know I've, I've kind of thrown this out there a few times to you, and I don't really want to throw it out to the audience too much, but, I, you know, I hope at some point we'll have more educational opportunities on this topic because I think there's a huge need. Yeah, well, let's take this one step further once um, on this. So if, if they can connect up with you and however you want to connect it up on your end, uh, we'll do this uh, front-end analysis, no cost associated with it, um, and no obligation associated with it. We're not going to hound anybody, but I think when you see the numbers, uh, we'll, we'll get your interest. Maybe one other thing to invite is if you would be interested in participating in a workshop for a day um, on this model, and get all of the tools associated with rolling this kind of a model forward. If there's enough interest in it, um, I would be more than happy to uh, to put that on. That would be absolutely amazing, and we'll we'll get some uh, we'll get that ball rolling for sure. Very good. Gosh, what a what an amazing guest, Bob. We're so uh, thankful that you joined us, and um, man, you, like I said, I can't vouch enough. I mean, this has been uh, a transformational experience working with you, and and I hope everybody out there really enjoyed today what we had to talk about and i i can promise everybody that you will be bob will be back on the show we've got a lot of topics we can talk about and um, we're just really thankful to have you today appreciate it thank you appreciate the opportunity and uh look forward to meeting a portion of your your guests awesome bob thanks a lot bob yeah thanks 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 so much and we'll talk soon bye well what an amazing episode that was man bob weersma uh performance builders solve global variable compensation connects it he's going to be back Uh, we guarantee that this was a great episode talking about value comp and um, you know kind of like bob mentioned he was so gracious to give away a gift of basically an assessment and uh, no obligation confidential assessment where where he'll take a look at basically your numbers and kind of give you this is this brings me back to three years ago where he did the same thing with me and and it has completely transformed uh, our practice and so he's giving that away Uh, we're going to put that in the show notes you just have to click the box below you know this episode and it's yours to have for free Uh, as well as you know once you get involved with that there's that opportunity uh, in the future here where uh, we don't know the date yet but we'll have a basically webinar workshop where we can uh, get more details and and uh and also, you know, just a little taste, uh, at some point, someday, we're going to be having more information on this topic. Uh, my hope and dreams would be that we are offering uh, educational opportunities to you listeners out there that have interest. So look for that in the future. Uh, but man, what a good episode. Man, he's just one of those guys, the more you talk to him, the more he sparks your own kind of thought processes and how you, how you can get creative in your own mind on advancing, you know, your career throughout this profession. I would consider him one of the best coaches I've ever met. And, and for me, uh, I used to be the yes man where I, I thought I knew everything. And I, I was all, yep, I know, yep, I know. And uh, when I met Bob, he really quickly lets you know that you don't know <laughs> everything. And, and it's impossible to know everything. So he's been a huge coach for me in, in the world of physical therapy. And I'm um, just very thankful to have him. Yep. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know we sure enjoyed the conversation. Uh, thanks again for tuning in, and we'll check you out next time.